Hey everybody, welcome back to the Harmonics Podcast. We got another exciting episode this week. Uh, keeping the train rolling with us having uh, fun and exciting guests. I think we have the most fun and exciting guest right now. Uh, I say this every week. Uh, oh, you didn't have to say that. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Uh, Dan Amrich, also known as One of Swords, also known as Activision's community manager extraordinaire. Welcome, also known Dan. as Dan Amrich. With oh, a hard stage. Oh, no. Oh, Would you believe jeez. <laughs> I was going to correct him earlier this on that, but I thought it would be funnier if he mispronounced it and you corrected <laughs> no, him on the right. podcast. I, you know what? I have been called far, far worse. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, for some reason, people, uh, they want to put the soft CH on there as if I am a billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I greatly appreciate that, but uh, I cannot live up to that. I am, uh, at best, a hundred air, you know? <laughs> So I had a, uh, a school teacher who decided I was Italian. She called me Amariki. <laughs> and I don't understand why other than I guess she just wanted me to be Italian. I don't know. Oh, my word. So where, yes, where, do, where, where does the Amrick uh, name hail from? Where, where do you, where'd you come from? Trenton. All right. Uh, <laughs> actually, it's Slovak. It's Slovak in origin. Although uh, the coolest thing is that my grandmother's name, uh, uh, she was Irish. Uh, her name was Sarah Connor. No, get out of here! No, it's great. Well, okay, it was Sarah O'Connor, but still. <laughs> um, I'm yeah, really glad we pressed Irish. you on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's it's the hard ch. The Amrik is Slovak, but then my wife kept her name, and her name is Auk, which is the German word for also. That's her last name. They like they didn't decide to name her. Her first name is Auk. That would be very. You're never going to get a novelty license plate with your name on it if your name your first name is Auk. Yeah, Pope and would pronounce consider- that as Ouch. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of people do. That's the thing. But we decided not to hyphenate because we sounded like it, it, you were choking in Klingon. Emrick Auk. You know? <laughs> yeah, Auk. Emrick Auk. Emrick Auk. No matter how you did it, it was like you needed to shout Kapla at the end. You know, so um, yeah. That sounds so, pretty sweet. We're off to a good start. Yep. Yeah, yep. Par for the course. Yeah, this, this is, is pretty much it. Yeah, this is about the quality level we strive for on the Harmonics podcast. Excellent. Uh, so I thought it would be cool if you gave us a bit of your backstory because um, apart from what I what I just ran down as as who you are, where you're from. Which was next to nothing. Next you, to nothing. You ran down it was, almost I, nothing. Almost, <laughs> yeah. No one knows who you are at this point. Uh, you've had a pretty rich career. In the, in, um, the, in the video game profession. Again, it's it's a Rick career. Oh, sorry. I really <laughs> wish you would get that right. Um, it's, I have an impediment, and I'm really uncomfortable <laughs> that we're discussing it now. I like the, the way that you say I've had a rich career is really code for I'm old. Um, <laughs> but I appreciate yeah, that. Well, I, I started reviewing games professionally in 1993, <sighs> uh, back when the 16-bit systems roamed the earth. I know a lot of people were born after that, but uh, like my first professional review, I think, was... Uh, uh, Eternal Champions for well, that was the first uh, EEPROM that I got. Was Eternal Champions for Genesis? Wow. Uh, what did what did you the, what did you say about that game? I said it was very good. <laughs> I still that was the entire uh, review. And they yeah, say journalism's it. getting well, I worse. <laughs> I didn't really know how it worked, so I was just like, "Is good. You buy." And they published it, and there I was. What um, uh, what publication was that for at the time? That was for uh, a little known. It, nowadays, it's called Critics.com, but at the time, it was just an AOL only area called Critics Choice and they covered books and movies and games and this was back when AOL was young and uh, people don't understand it but there were only 300,000 people on America Online at the time so they had not integrated the internet it didn't become you know what it became and I would call PR companies and say hi I'm working for a small outlet I was hoping I could get a review copy of a game and they'd say well what's your circulation and it's like, well, you know, this is the birth of online. People would actually ask me, what is America Online? What does that mean? Is that a new magazine? And I'm like, no, it's kind of like, well, look, there's 300,000 people that subscribe to AOL and Critics' Choice is part of what they can look at. So at any given point, 300,000 people could click on my review. And they went, okay, that's good enough for us. 300,000 start. Great. Here you go. <laughs> it starts sending me games. So uh, I wound up, this was so early that the the way that I got a good reputation in the industry was that. Uh, mom always taught me if somebody sends you something, you say thank you. And I knew that these people were sending games because they wanted to know what I would do with them. So when I got my review done, I would fax them back a printout of the article that was on America <laughs> Online and said, thank you very much. I did my review. Here it is. And, you know, whether it was good or bad, I felt obligated to send something back to them to show that I didn't just turn around and give it to my nephew or, you know, sell it at a store or something. 
And that wound up, I didn't realize that, you know, there's this thing called coverage reports that all the PR people have to do that justify their existence. How much attention did you get for the game this week? And I was feeding these people constant stuff that made them look good. And I had no idea. So that's, you know, that's kind of how I started. And unfortunately, critics.com, we had a falling out because I got uh, the invite to go and do a, a bigger publication and they wanted me to come work for them full time. And I said, thank you, but no. And they took it really personally. They have not spoken to me in Ugh. years. When I got the GamePro gig, they were completely livid and just severed ties with me. And none of my work is up on critics.com. None of it. Oh. So I have a floppy disk at home with about 300 uh, reviews that I wrote for them. Uh, and wow. if anybody has a floppy drive, that would be great. <laughs> I was going to say, you should probably back that up on something that's not a floppy drive. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we can go right into like gallstones and gout at this point if you want, because I'm, I'm yeah. clearly ancient. But um, <laughs> yeah, after that, I, I got the chance to work with uh, Andy Eddy, who's now the editor in chief of At Gamer. He's, he's a journeyman in the industry and he's, he's a close friend. And I wrote an accidental email to him. I thought I was sending it to somebody else. <laughs> And he said, well, that guy's a friend of mine, so here's the information you need. And then a couple months later, he said, do you want to come out to California? I was in, working in New York City. I was working at Guitar World magazine at the time when I was, I was freelancing for Critics' Choice. But my day job was actually uh, at Guitar World magazine. And I say that because that's the cool way to say that I was working for Country Guitar magazine. <laughs> uh, and I've been a lifelong guitarist. I love guitar. I have a website dedicated to all the guitars I've ever owned. And plug it. Uh, yeah, click it's it's bunnyears.net slash guitar if you want to see it. Um, but my uh, I, they they called me when I was freelancing for Guitar World and said, would you uh, do you like country music? I said, not particularly. No. And they said, could you learn? <laughs> and I, you know, like I didn't have a job. I was fresh out of college. I wanted to write for a living. And, you know, that that's how it worked out. I learned a lot about country music. I learned a lot about a lot of great guitar players that I never would have been exposed to otherwise. And I got to do some cool interviews with, you know, this was like the when country sort of went mainstream in the yeah. 90s. So it was a good time. I was able to contact a lot of like session players. I had awesome conversations with guys on the phone that never, ever should have been talking to me, you know. <laughs> and I got the same question every time I did an interview. What are y'all doing up there in New York making a country magazine? Why don't y'all come on down here in Nashville? It'd be great, you know. It's a lot of fun. You guys like it down here. And, you know, we'd be happy to take you out to dinner, you know. So it was really it was, they were the most genial, polite people. And meanwhile, like my day job is, hey, we got this blurry fax in from a slash interview. Can you type it in? We hear you type really fast. Oh my God. <laughs> so, or hey, I just went up Midtown and I did an interview with Ozzy Osbourne. Can you transfer the tape? Can you, can you transcribe the interview? And I'm like, sure, how hard can it be? This is long before Ozzy had his television show. Mm -hmm. So, I'm getting just like a little tiny tape recorder on, in a giant hotel room. And he's just going, you know, I, I didn't understand. The, you know, it wasn't for Sharon, man. I'd be dead. I'm not kidding. I had no idea. And I'm having the worst. I'm rolling it back three and four times because, you know, I was like this all the time. And, you know, nobody knew how to speak <laughs> Ozzy yet. So I'm like, they're like, how's that interview going? I'm like, it's good. You know, I think I might have it for you tomorrow. It's going, it's going a lot slower than I thought it would. They're like, yeah, it's kind of hard to understand. I walked away. You know? Oh, my God. That is <laughs> Amazing. How often do you think he was misquoted by people who had to transcribe that stuff? Or just like, I guess he was talking about this here. I, no, I, I <laughs> he really totally bit sort of, that bat. Totally happy. I, he said I it. made the best guess. I could have been one of those people that misquoted him too. You know, like maybe he never said anything about spam and pantyhose, but that's what it's <laughs> oh, spam and pantyhose. <laughs> <laughs> what? What's I, I, he might have been saying Tony Iommi? I don't know. You know, it could have been Black Sabbath, but it sounded like spam and pantyhose. So, you know. <laughs> So that's, um, that's funny. That's, you know, you probably made a, a worthwhile contribution to the world of linguistics there. I did. Yeah, I was <laughs> I started the Aussie to English dictionary in my free time. Um, so, yeah, I, I worked there for about three years. Uh, I went to work with Andy Eddy on this new magazine that got me to move to California, which is something I always wanted to do. I love, love, love New York. I miss it terribly. But I got the chance to move to the Bay Area, which is the next best thing, you know. Yeah. And um then uh, that magazine didn't work out. So after a year, I wound up working for GamePro, and I was there for seven years as a cartoon character. Uh, I was Dan Electro, which was itself a guitar oh, joke to, yep. to, to refer to my earlier life. But at the time, Dan Electro was not a current brand. It, was, it had you know, fallen away. And then, of course, three weeks later, uh, they actually started making Dan Electro effects pedals again. And I'm like, uh-oh. 
you know, now they're going to come sue me. They never sued us because I made it two words and I made the, the C a K and we made him like a little electrical superhero and stuff. So that was cool. Uh, and I got a, a, my own action figure out of that. So there's a Dan Electro action figure in nice. bargain basements somewhere. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, that's like the geek dream, right? I'm immortalized in, in plastic, uh, <laughs> except that it doesn't look anything like me. It looks like my character, but that's fine. Um, and then, yeah, from there, moved around a little bit, went to Games Radar, went to OXM. Um, actually, here's, here's the, the, the lowest point of my career. I applied to be part of the community team at Harmonix, and I was ready to move to Boston. <laughs> And I never even got a call back. What? So here's the thing. I did what I felt you were supposed to do. I went in through the front door. I didn't call anybody. I just, I saw there was an opening and I wrote, I sent my resume in and I was super excited. I was like, wow, I'd love to move back to the East Coast. I love Boston. I love the cold weather. I really believe in what Harmonix is doing. You know, like I got, I got the idea of, you know, the company's, like mission statement is to bring music to non-musicians and to let mm -hmm. people experience music in a different way, much beyond just the games. I believe in that so deeply that I was like, God, this would be a great fit. I'd love to do that. And like, I didn't hear anything for like five months. So I applied again. And then like three weeks after that, I got two rejection letters back to back, uh, which meant nobody ever uh, saw it. What, uh, <laughs> what, what roughly what year was this? Oh, this was, um, I was still at OXM, I think, and I was looking for a change and I was starting to think like, maybe it's time for me to, to move on. So this was probably around 2009. Wow. Um, wow. So yeah. So there you go. There, there's your alternate reality. Yeah, what I'm imagine this alternate reality now where you're sitting here in, next to me or instead of me. I, I could <laughs> have your job, punk. Yeah. yeah. That well, is. I think I. At one point, I was so desperate that I did something that I've never done before and I would probably never do again, but I was so in love with the idea of trying to come to work for Harmonix that um, I contacted Alex directly, <laughs> which was like, you know, that's the ultimate faux pas, right? Like, hi, you may remember me from this interview we did some time ago for a game called Guitar Hero 2. Anyway, I was kind of <laughs> hoping and wondering, you know. And he was like, I don't really have anything for you. Uh, maybe you could go into, you know, production. Maybe you could be a producer and keep people on schedule. I don't really know. And I'm like, well, I appreciate, you know, that thing because, I, you know, I really believe in what your company does and blah, blah, blah. So I, I am the Harmonix fanboy that wants to work at Harmonix. Wow. How's that? <laughs> That's amazing. But here I am at Activision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you, you could have taken one path and you took the exact opposite path. That's, that's right. <laughs> right. Before, well, you know, hey. Yeah. Before we get into the Activision part, I have to ask you, yeah. how did you become – Fish is going to love this. Our, our, our uh, resident artist here is a huge basketball fan. How did you become an Easter egg in the game NBA Hang Time? All right, cool. I, um, this is actually really <laughs> great. When I, was, when I was at Guitar World, uh, it was owned by a company called Harris Publications. And Harris owned a lot of different magazines. Guitar World was the shining star in the high circulation thing. But they also made a lot of money on smaller magazines for niche markets. And when I say niche markets, I mean country quilt projects. Uh, a magazine called Full Strut Turkey Shoot. Mm -hmm. um, a magazine called Guns and Weapons for Law Enforcement. Uh, a number of like knockoffs of consumer reports called consumer review, like car buyers guides and puzzle books and things, you know, that you look at and you go, there's a market for country wood projects, you know, and things like that. the best one ever was uh, country music hairstyles magazine. Not kidding. <laughs> and the headline was achy breaky hair. Oh. Um, so in addition to these sort of like just throw it against the wall and see if it sticks kind of projects that were very cheap to produce and they would recycle like the, the patterns for the quilts and the wood projects, they were also doing cool magazines like Slam. They started Slam Magazine, the basketball magazine. And so, you know, they're going for a really hip, urban, inside voice and here's Milk Toast Dan Amrick coming in going, hey guys, I can do your video game reviews if you want. And I would actually have to ask the staff like, what's a good basketball joke to put in this joke, you know? And 
like I said, um, I want to do this this review of uh, like Shaq Fu. I actually reviewed Shaq Fu. <laughs> I, I reviewed uh, Michael Jordan in Chaos in the Windy City for Super Nintendo. And I'm saying, you know, like this game is fighting uphill. I forget what game exactly it was, but it was around that time. And I said, you know, I've got like there are some classic video game um showdowns, you know, A versus B. I'm like, you know, give me one of those. Like Lakers versus Celtics, you know, um, and you know, I know I just know what EA put on the boxes in the early 90s, right? I'm like Jordan versus Bird. Okay, that's an EA basketball <laughs> game. I know that's real. And then, you know, Lakers versus Celtics. Okay, that's one. I'm like, give me like one that's funny. And they went, Shaq versus his free throw percentage. And I'm like, <laughs> and that's funny. That makes sense. That's basketball. <laughs> and they're like, yes. I'm like, okay. Use so, it. <laughs> Um, I loved NBA Jam and I did my research and I found that the guy that one of the, the main programmer for NBA Jam, Mark Termel, was one of these 17 year old genius kids who came out of nowhere and sold his video game designs to major companies. He sold Activision a game called Toy Bizarre, Z-A-R-R-E. Um, that was a Commodore 64 game. He made my favorite 2600 game of all time, which was uh, turmoil. It's like Tempest, but it actually works, whereas Tempest doesn't really work on the 2600 because of the controls and everything. So I knew this guy, like, you know, not knew him, but I was th I was so nervous and excited and like, okay, so I have to start this interview. Here I go again, you know, like fanboy. I know who you are. Now, I can't think of a more terrifying thing to hear if you're about to be interviewed than have somebody say, I know who you are, you know, but I did that. And so, you know, I, I got a I, I don't want to say friendship, but a nodding acquaintance with Mark Termello over over covering his games. And I was so excited to call him. It was one of my first big phone interviews, and I had a million questions about NBA Jam. And that was one of my first big articles for Slam was, you know, how did NBA Jam become this giant thing? Uh, so when they did the, the follow-up, they announced, okay, we're going to be doing a new game called NBA Hangtime. I was allowed to interview him, and, you know, I answered – I asked a lot of the same questions I had asked before – uh, or things that I knew the answers to. And one of them was, how do you choose the secret characters in the game? And uh, it was him and Sal DeVita, who was the uh, the main artist guy and the, and the co-developer of the game. Um, and uh, he said, uh, well, you know, we just sort of, we invite people that we think are a little behind the scenes, friends of ours, or, or people that we know are fans, uh, people behind the scenes in the NBA, like the guy who hosted the local Chicago Bulls uh, pregame show, he got in. As a, as a character, as a way of saying thank you to him for just supporting, you know. And Matthew Perry from Friends, a huge NBA fan, and they found out that he was a big fan of the game, so they put him in as a secret character. And I'm Bizarre. like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. They're like, yeah, we just give a little love to the people behind the scenes. And Sal pipes up and goes, hey, um, do you want to be in the game? You want to be a secret character? <laughs> and I'm like, sure, man, that'd be awesome. You know, like, of course he's kidding. They're like, all right, well, you're going to have to get us some pictures um, in the next couple of days because we're actually, we have to lock that down on Thursday. So if you can get us some photos, we'll put you in the game. I'm like, oh my God, you're dead serious. He goes, yeah, yeah, why not? I mean, we got the space. Sure, just send, send us photos of your face and we'll scan them in. And now I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I told my wife who uh, was was working with me in New York at the time and I said, they want to, they're going to let me be in NBA hang time. She goes, oh, you should wear the bunny ears. Now, I had gotten a, a set of bunny ears as a promotional gift for another game, a, an obscure Sega CD game called KO Flying Squadron. It's a girl in a bunny outfit. And they sent out these ears. And I had I took a picture of the ears and I sent it back to the PR person that sent it to me just as a goof. I was like, that's funny, you know. So uh, she goes, you should wear the ears because, you know, the whole thing was, oh, there's secret things in NBA Jam. And that way you'll stand out. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's, <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's stupid. Like my kids that I'm not going to have are totally going to see this. You know, generations later, arcade games will still be the dominant form of gaming. And, of course, everyone will be playing arcade. And, you know, like this is for posterity. This is, this is my shot at immortality. You know, I'm like 23 at this point, right? And I'm like, I've got to leave my mark on the world. And so um, she goes, well, I think it's a good idea. So I go over and I tell somebody else at, at the magazine, and I'm like, hey, guess what? I just got amazing news. They're, I'm going to be able to be a secret character in Hang Time. And he goes, you should wear the bunny ears. I'm like, that's a great idea. <laughs> and so my wife has never let me live this down. So I did wear the bunny ears. I sent them pictures, and uh, they sent me a check for $10 oh. that I never cashed. Um, because it was, it was so cool to have been a secret character. So I'm in the, the arcade game as well as the N64 and the PlayStation version. And I think I'm in the Dreamcast version as well. Pretty wow. sure. 
all were the same. So it was totally just because they were doing it because they thought it would be cool. I'm sure, you know, the back end, the cynic in me goes, and of course I'd be talking about their game for the rest of my life yeah. as this little cheerleader. Um, you know, it doesn't hurt them. And, you know, <laughs> ethically, maybe it wasn't the right thing to do in, in the press, you know, to be part of the games that you're covering. But at the same time, I, I wouldn't not do it. It was uh, it was a thrill, and I I uh, wound up buying an NBA Jam machine and NBA Hang Time board, and I have that in my home, oh. so that I I can play with myself anytime. <laughs> I want. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what it was. They that's they were just amazing. being really nice to me, and uh, and yeah, I I I actually that's why my my uh, personal website is called <clears throat> bunnyears.net, and it's oh, it's basically that, yeah. for that that, makes that sense. joke. The yeah. Bunny Ears. Now now you know. Yeah. Although one person did think that I was actually doing sort of a. Uh, uh, a website that was supposed to be a social media networking site for ex Playboy bunnies that worked in the clubs, <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm sorry, I. Don't. They they thought it was like bunny years, you know, like the you know for over the history of people who were bunnies, and I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm just a geek, you know, sorry, and and you're probably a pretty lady, and I can't talk to you. You'd you probably know, get more hits on your website if that's what I it was. probably would a lot more, but yeah. That's incredible. I, I am looking at the picture of you and Scotty Pippen, and it's just <laughs> isn't that great. And poor Scotty doesn't know. Like Scotty Pippen is probably going to see that that screenshot someday and go, "Who the hell is that guy?" You know. But yeah, that it was it was really cool. We went to play it when it was on test in um, in New York at the Broadway Arcade, which is unfortunately closed uh, now. They, uh, I, we went up with a couple of my friends and we all put in quarters and we all played as me. And it was the most surreal thing <laughs> in the world to see four Dan Amrick heads with my big old glasses that I used to have in bunny ears running around dunking and shoving each other <laughs> over. And it was, it's, it's amazing. It's, uh, it was, it was a huge, huge honor. So, yeah. That's great. Um, so having been in the industry as long as you have, I'm not saying you're old, <laughs> you, you mentioned that you're, you, you know, you've been for a while. Um, you must have kind of a unique perspective on this whole every few years there's the switch over to a new console cycle and yes. this for me it's my first everyone in the room i think uh our first time in the industry that we had to do the switch over but you've you've lived it and I, uh, I wonder if you've got any lessons learned that you'd like to share don't panic you know, like uh, I am thrilled that the current generation has lasted as long as it has because you really do start to feel abused five years in just when you feel like people are getting their feet under them as developers and the install bases are nice and high. That's when they want to abandon the install base. <laughs> so I, I, for one, am not in a hurry to get the next generation stuff. I love the fact that I have a large library on both PS3 and Xbox 360 and that the games are so good and you're spoiled for choice. I now have less time than I have games that I want to play, you know? Yeah. So, um, that said, my words of wisdom is don't believe the hype. You know, everybody is going to come out and say, this console has this and the other one doesn't. And, you know, traditionally it's been a slugfest of numbers. Like people just want to compare charts. Well, how many teraflops can yours do is the new, <laughs> how many polygons can yours generate? As if polygons are what we play, you know, what it really is, is the experiences and uh, lately, it's become the social connectivity of those experiences. You know, um, when I was between GamePro and GamesRadar, I worked on the retailer brochure that uh, Microsoft created for the Xbox 360. So I was under like this crazy NDA, but I, I got to s interview some of the people at Microsoft and and build this brochure that was going to say, this is what the 360 is going to be. And I said, I'm sure you, you know, like you're going to want to spread about all the, uh, the hardware and the, and you know, the processor. And they're like, actually we don't. The way that we see it, Xbox Live is our product. The 360 is just the vehicle. We realize that what we can do, it's fine if they have more in one category and we have less in that one and vice versa. They're going to have more memory or we're going to have better polygons or whatever. That doesn't matter. What people are connecting with is the fact that they can go home and play with their friends online. And that's what we want to build it around. And that fundamentally changed how I saw the most current generation. Yeah. It was about what makes it easy for me to play games with my friends because that's what I enjoy. I don't play, you know, Z-buffers. I don't play number of polygons or particle effects. Those are part of a larger experience that I want. And more often than not, I want that experience to be social. So um, I think that we're going to see 
less of the we're going to see some you know there's always going to be some of the bragging about my specs are bigger than your specs look at my awesome specs yeah. but at the same time i think that we as gamers have changed to i want i mean playstation 4's announcement there was pretty telling i want all my games everywhere i want the cloud i want to be able to use the vita as a sub device to the playstation 4 i want to i want the convenience and i want the networking so i would say honestly don't panic no matter what you see you're going to believe it when you play it yeah. and there's really nothing that we're going to be able to do um other than play it and go i liked that i didn't like it it's not all things to all people it's just a box or it's just a box that brings you just a service it's kind of whatever you make it so i'm kind of in this like I don't want to get drawn into the console wars. I've always felt the console wars were stupid because what you have is one person telling another person, my way of having fun is superior to your way of having fun, which is so subjective. It's, it's ridiculous, totally. right? So I, that's, that's my take on it is like don't get wrapped up on which one is the best one. The best one is the one that you buy. Yeah. And you buy it because you think you're going to have the most fun with it and all you can ever do is play what you think is going to make you the happiest. And that's it. That's my wisdom. That's my life wisdom at this point. Nice. Because with everybody telling me that, you know, this shooter is better than that shooter, I'm like, well, maybe you could play both. The disc tray on my game console opens and closes. I can put in different games. I put in rock band even though I work for the company that makes Guitar Hero. So, and that blows people mind, people's minds. I actually gave a presentation internally uh, at a, a conference where we had like an international summit and I got to explain what I do to the international portions of Activision, the, the PR teams. And I said, uh, you know, I live in the real world. My role in this company is going to be as a gamer who reflects the world that my gamers live in. You know, I'm here to bring you back information that they have for me that I, the company can use. And I'm here to have the company tell me things that they want them to know. So it's a two-way street. But I'm going to live in the real world. You guys need to know that I'm going to continue to play rock band. And someone in the room actually gasped. <laughs> because that was that was complete. I mean, you know, my my coming here was uh, something of an experiment. And I we didn't none of us knew if it was gonna work. Um so, you know, the fact that like this morning I was talking about SimCity and how I'd like to play SimCity and they're like, are you allowed to play SimCity? I'm like, yes, I'm a gamer. I live in your world. So, yeah, like, you know, two weeks ago, Kat and I fired up uh, Rock Band and I bought a whole bunch more DLC, nice. you know, I was like, Rick Springfield, you know, I was thrilled. So, um, you know, how could I have missed this? And, you know, uh, my wife Kat is learning how to play piano and Rock Band 3 has been uh, a really good way for her to play parts that she knows the songs and she has the passion to learn those songs and now she has the ability to learn it at her own pace. So that's been really great and I've got one of the big Ion uh, drum kits at home because I also plug that into uh, an old Alasis uh, MIDI uh, brain so that I can use it as regular drums for just regularly goofing around. So um, That's awesome. Yeah, I don't know how, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm reading your, your cues here on Skype to start praising Rock Band, uh, so I hope that I'm following them correctly. <laughs> Those are supposed uh, to be silent cues, Dan. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, yeah, I, uh, I, I sort of, I, I, I said that if I don't have an authenticity about what I do, if I'm still not allowed to be myself, I'm happy to be the company man and, and you know, answer the questions and suffer the slings and arrows when they need be. But I, I, you know, I also have to still continue being the gamer that I am or else why would anybody listen to me and why would anybody care? Yeah. And Activision totally got that from day one. So that's, that's, that's really comforting. That's pretty incredible. And I think actually that, um, that's sort of what I've seen become the trend at the good, the companies that get uh, yeah. the social community manager aspects is letting, letting those people be themselves. And like anytime someone has to act like a shill, you, you can see right through it. And I we think are, I mean, gamers are some of the most absolutely skeptical yeah. people in the world. And it's, it's, I have a theory on this. It's because we have loved and been hurt, you know, <laughs> like you get worked up about something and you go, that game's going to be the greatest thing in the world. And then it comes out and it's just a game, you know, and you had fun <laughs> with it, but you didn't have as much fun with it as you told yourself you were going to have. So then you become distrustful and then you become cynical, right? Mm -hmm. So if somebody tells you this game's going to be great, you go, no, it's not just to protect your own emotions, you know? Yeah. So I said, I'm never going to tell somebody our games are great. I'm going to say, I liked it. You might too. Or 
check it out if it interests you. I leave everything wide open. Even when we're up for awards, I'm like, hey, it's great that Black Ops 2 has been nominated for this award that you can vote on. There's a lot of great categories there. There's a lot of really good games. Go vote for your favorites. And that's not just CYA. I really believe that. Like, you might see a game there that you like more than Black Ops 2, and you'll go, I don't know, man. I had more fun with Borderlands than I had with Black Ops 2 this year. Right. Okay, I guess I'll vote for Borderlands 2. I've led you there. Thank you for considering it. But I'm not going to tell people this is what you should do because I'm not in marketing. So, you know. Yeah. That's, I think that's a distinction a lot of people don't realize is there's definitely a, a line between the two. Even though we overlap a lot with marketing, uh, it's definitely a, a stark line between the two. Whatever I, I always say, look, I will support your marketing messages, but I'm not going to parrot them. You know, like there are things that you want to say that you feel like you need to say. And then there are things that I need to say that are on the same topic and I won't control your message and you won't control my message. And there's still some people, frankly, here that don't quite understand that relationship, but yeah. we're working on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, any big company, I think. Are... We, we had our own struggles back in the MTV era. Uh, sure. On that, on that tip. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but so what, what precipitated your choice? Like that's a pretty major change to go from, what was it, 15, 16 years on the journalism yeah. side to switch over um, to this side? Well, um, a very famous and wise man, David St. Hubbins, lead guitarist from Spinal Tap, <laughs> said, the time to sell out is when you have found a buyer. <laughs> and nothing has guided me more than that. Um, I, the, the truth is that I was at OXM uh, in 2009 and I was kind of getting restless and bored and I looked at, at the number of talented people that were ahead of me on the promotion chain and it occurred to me, 15 years, I still have not been editor-in-chief. I was senior editor for probably 10 of those 15 years at different publications. So I knew what I was doing and I, you know, I liked what I was doing. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm starting to get frustrated and I think it's time to move up or move on, right? So uh, the World of Warcraft official magazine was being launched within Future at the same time. And I loved WoW and I was getting sort of teased for spending so much time in WoW instead of playing with my Xbox at OXM. So they were looking for an editor-in-chief. And I got that job and it turned out to be a terrible fit. I mean, it was just a horrible, horrible experience for me that I learned a lot from. But I got that job. I moved my desk. Two days later, my phone gets reconnected. And I find that there was a message from somebody at Activision. And I just thought it was somebody saying, hey, uh, just social call. They were like, nothing big, nothing important. Just wanted to pick your brain on something. And they had done that before, just sort of like, hey, we've got a new Spider-Man game coming out. Do you think if we gave away this kind of t-shirt, people would be offended? And you know those kind of weird tchotchke questions. And I'm like, <laughs> sure. Okay, yeah, I'm happy to sort of be a sounding board for that. Or, hey, we're thinking of having an event on the 14th. Do you know if there's a competing event going on that day? No, calendar's clear. Okay, great. Um, so this time it was, hey, we like what Major Nelson is doing for Xbox, being their community spokesperson. We could really benefit from having somebody like that. Is that a position you would be interested in applying for? And I said, <laughs> you know, yes, but you know that I just got the title. Like after 15 years, I finally got the brass ring that I had been chasing. I'm editor-in-chief of something. They're like, well, think it over, you know. And slowly over the next few months, I saw what a bad fit that position was for me. Hmm. and how I was bringing all these ideas to the table and they were getting rejected out of hand and I would make my case and they'd be like, why are you still talking? Uh, so I was sort of promised this creative control or at least creative influence that I was simply not allowed to have in that role. I was a figurehead. So uh, then I started to take Activision seriously and I came down for a couple of interviews and um, you know, and I, and I thought to myself, I'm selling out. I'm a writer. I like being the writer that I am. And it's honestly, it's a, it's a decision I still question pretty regularly because I miss my old life an awful lot. Mm. And, uh, but I saw, you know, like life is challenges, right? You have to, this was a golden opportunity. It was an honor to be even asked. I did have to apply for the position. They didn't just give it to me. I, I beat out other candidates, um, sort of hunger game style. And, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I talked to people and they said, well, you know, well, what would you do for this and what would you do for that? And uh, one of the guys said, you know, do you have any questions for me? And, you know, I'm a smart ass. So I'm like, yeah, I have one question. How do you sell out? <laughs> and he said, pardon me? I said, well, look, let's face it. You know, I have a good reputation as a voice of the people. Right. And you want to leverage that, uh, you know, that. Uh, identifiable quantity. I'm not famous, but I'm known, right? Like, you know, I'm, I'm a trusted voice in the community. Yeah. You're looking to use that for your purposes. So I'm not really sure if I'm going to be comfortable in a position where I can't speak my mind because 
my career has been speaking my mind for 15 years, backstopping my opinions with examples, but ultimately being opinionated is what I, I have been for my entire <laughs> career. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. This, this doesn't work unless you are that person. If you're not real, if you're not authentic, this isn't worth doing. In fact, we may have to protect you from people that are in this building that don't understand that that's your unique role, <laughs> wow. is to speak for yourself, but also be a, a representative of Activision. And I'm like, okay, well then if that's out on the table, if 70% of what you've told me is true, then this is worth doing. And it turned out that they have absolutely kept their promises. I, am, I, I don't have to send my blogs through anybody. I'm, a, I'm allowed to chase the kind of stories that I want to do. I run One of Swords as if it's my own magazine or as if it's my own online outlet. I pick my features. I, you know, I say, I want to do a story on this. I have to pitch. Just like I used to, you know, like every idea I come up with or, you know, sometimes they're like, we don't we don't want to talk about that. You know, like we just or I don't want that person in the spotlight. That's not really that doesn't match what we're doing. The same kind of things that I, you know, get a polite thank you. But no, that we don't think that that story matches, uh, you know, our game right now. You know, I would pitch stories all the time and get told no. So I still I still get told no, but I still get like right of final edit, you know, and that's very, very important to me that I am I am allowed to be as authentic as I dare. <laughs> That's that's really cool. And kudos to Activision for, for yeah. taking that leap. It's totally like they trust me and I can't think of anybody else who's got a position where their monolithic corporate partner trusts them as much as Activision currently trusts me. Um, and, you know, there's there's been some mistakes along the way. There's been some <clears throat> course corrections where I said things that I was like, OK, see how that could be taken the wrong way. Let me uh, let me own that. And that was the thing. They're like, you got to remove that. And I'm like, no. Once it's out on the Internet, it exists. Right. I would rather apologize and explain my point of view. And sure enough, I did that one time when I made a major mistake and it went away the next day. I'm like, if I had deleted it, it would dog me forever and it would be like the cool thing that people talked about and made fun of Activision for for two weeks. Yep. Let me own the mistake and I guarantee you it will disappear. And I felt like crap for it. But I was thrilled that while it was the topic du jour on Monday and then my apology got some traction on Tuesday, people had moved on to something else that annoyed them on Wednesday. <laughs> and I'm like, that's, that's the key, guy. Be real. When yep. you screw up, admit that you screwed up, own it, and then everybody can move on. Totally. But if you hide it, they they will crucify you. That's just exactly what happened with the onion, like last week. Exactly, they made the unfunny joke, and yep. people were really offended, and then they tried to delete it, and it yep. got worse. And it's like, okay, we have to admit that we made a mistake, yeah. and because we're all people, we make mistakes. Totally. So group hug, uh, <laughs> group hug on <laughs> Skype. Uh, so what's the one of swords? What's the what's that in reference to? What's the the that's base to, of that? uh that's a reference to my uh, my dark history with the occult. Um, when I was in college, uh, we summoned a few <laughs> demons here and there. But um, really, I tried to learn how to read the tarot, right? Like I've always been interested in the supernatural and the mysterious and stuff like that. And uh, I tried to learn how to read the tarot. And I just I couldn't remember all 72 cards. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I, I would do tarot card readings for friends. And I would be, hold on a second. Let me look it up in the little booklet that came with the deck of cards. So <laughs> Ruins not exactly a lot of the like mystique. the cool gypsy that you see in the movies. You know, like, oh, this is great. Great fortune is coming your way. Also, hold on. Let me check the little book. You know? <laughs> um, so I was looking when Activision came to me. They said, we want you to brand it with something that's uniquely you that means something to you in the same way that Major Nelson was Major Nelson's joke. That's Larry Herb's joke that he brought to uh, Microsoft. And then like 402, he chose that nickname and he became identified with Infinity Ward. So we want you to choose a name that matches who you are, but that frankly is also an IP we could own. <laughs> uh, they said, you know, because if, let, let's be honest, if it doesn't work out, it might be something that we want to continue with another person. Uh, so it should have some personal resonance, but not too much personal resonance. So that made it interesting. Uh, the inside Dan was immediately rejected, and probably for good reason. Um, we should spin that up. is at 3100 Ocean Park Boulevard, so I wanted to call it Project 3100. And they said, no, that's too identifying because internally in Activision culture, you know, there's Treyarch, there's uh, Neversoft, there's Radical, there's Beanox, and there's 3100, which is just what everybody calls corporate headquarters uh. in Santa Monica. So they're like, no, that's, that, that, that hits a little too close to home. It, it obviously identifies. So I'm like, well, not to the public at large. Nobody knows what your address they're like, but they would after you did that. I'm like, okay. I'm like, what if I just what if I just blog as Pitfall Harry? 
And they said no to that. I really <laughs> wanted to do that. I was like, dude, you're not using it. Come on, let's Amazing. build a Pitfall Harry again. They're like, you never know when we're going to use it again. Of course, there is now an iOS game where Pitfall Harry has returned. So is there really? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, uh, it's like a Temple Run style runner <sighs> game. Uh, except yeah. I actually, you know, bias be damned. I think it's actually a bit more fun than Temple Run, and it looks really, really good. Um, so and it's free. So go play it. Um, I'm going but. To. Uh, so I was looking for all these different names and I hit upon the tarot because I was thinking, I'm like, well, you know, that's something I could, you know, I could still identify myself with, even if I can't read the damn thing. And the ace of swords, which was, uh, taken as a com, that was the problem. All the tarot cards you can think of are taken as a com, And I was looking for something. I wanted a, a single identity across everything. So my gamer tag, my PlayStation ID, my YouTube account, Facebook, everything had to be one of swords, one word. Mm -hmm. So that further reduced the things that I could do. It, could, it had to be personal, but not too personal. It had to be something the company would own, but not something that reflected the company. And it had to be a, a personal statement that I, you know, that matched all my criteria. So the the Ace of Swords in, in some uh, odd decks, it's called the One of Swords. Um, and oneofswords.com was available. Um, <laughs> the One of Swords is a, a sign of intellect over emotion, of, of using... Uh, yeah, and I thought I'm going to be dealing with a lot of screaming fanboys who are all emotion and no intellect. This was, keep in mind, this is late 2009. This is after Bobby Kotick had made a whole bunch of statements that made a whole bunch of people angry. And some of those statements were simply bad jokes, and some of them were not taken as jokes, and some of them were part of larger conversations but were taken out of context and sounded absolutely horrible. So people were not looking at what the context of those statements were. I mean, I was in the press, and people were like, what is he saying? And I even said, at OXM, I'm like, I don't know, but that can't be taken at face value. Like, there's gotta be something more to that. Like, that would be suicide. Nobody would say that. And sure enough, if you do the research, he had, he didn't say it that way or he said it as part of like a financial thing and people took it as an emotional thing. And so I'm like, intellect over emotion, that's like the fanboy killer right there. Like the people that are, are happy to be unhappy about gaming are doing so because they find something that bothers them and they want to amplify that instead of finding the thing that they loved about the game and amplifying that. So if I'm going to be the guy that's going to be like, yo, reality check. You know, is this developer being closed? Is this, you know, are you going to have to pay for Call of Duty multiplayer? Which has been the, the rumor that has dogged my life since I got here. <laughs> Every couple of months, Michael Pactor goes, well, I think they're leaving money on the table. They're totally going to do this. And then it makes the rounds that we are going to do it. And then people come screaming at me, telling me, you guys are a bunch of jerks because you're charging for multiplayer. I'm like, it's not even true. <laughs> Some dude that doesn't work here said he thought it would be a good idea on a financial level. Our CEO has said we're never, ever, ever going to charge for Call of Duty multiplayer. We might charge it for Elite, but we're not going to charge it for multiplayer. So, you know, Pack I'm attack. like- always gets you. Hack attack. It, Pack attack always gets you, right? So <laughs> I, I realized that was, a, that was something that I felt comfortable being. I'm going to be the guy that says, slow down for a minute. Let's think about this. Then we can talk about it. Think before you react was something that I could really get behind and it was, was a core tenet that I wanted to, to sort of lead by example with the gaming community. Don't freak out when you hear bad news. Question it. And Find I some facts. Think about whether that rumor is even plausible <laughs> before you assume that it is true. And then maybe you won't even have a reason to get upset. And if you don't know the difference between rumor and fact, go to oneofswords.com. I will answer it for you. So that's where One of Swords comes from. Also, if you don't know any of the tarot stuff and you don't know any of the hidden meaning, I don't know a gamer that doesn't know what number one is. And number one, being number one is cool. Yep. And swords are cool. They're like yep. this noble weapon from a bygone era, you know? Like, if we could all walk around with swords on our hips, it would be a very polite world. You know what I mean? Because if, if, you, if you wronged someone, there would be immediate swift personal justice. You'd have to be at melee range to get back at anybody, right? So I think that would just keep everybody like, hey, you know, hey, I respect you and your longsword, you know? So I just figured like, you know, and I sword, get that you know. a lot, Dan. I actually get that a lot. <laughs> uh, so I just figured like, even if, if you saw it in the in the, in the a lobby, in a, in a multiplayer lobby, you'd be like, one of swords. Okay, there's nothing there that I can even make fun of, yeah. you know? Like, but if I had used my old gamer tag, which was bunny ears, I would be slaughtered <laughs> everywhere I went. So uh, I, I changed my name on, on Xbox Live from bunny ears to one of swords. And so, yeah, if I ever do part ways with Activision, uh, I can't imagine that it would be uh, unpleasant 
you know, because they've been super supportive to me. But yes, the truth is, one of swords belongs to Activision, and I would I would uh, give up the URL and all the all the stuff. I've changed my gamer tag and all that fun stuff. So but I'm sure you've um, discussed that in your weekly lunch with Bobby, right? Right. Yeah, I did get to sit down with Bobby once. It was really good. He's he's so not the monster that the internet wants him to be. Um, what he is is like a New York business guy who grew up playing arcade games. So I used to live in New York and I grew up playing arcade games, you know, so like <laughs> it's it's funny. Like, you know, I, I asked him some tough questions about Guitar Hero, too. And I was like, what what went on in 2009? You know, why, why did you release six games, you know? And uh, he gave me an interesting answer to that. I bet, I, I, I'm sure you can't tell us, but I bet the answer was, oops. <laughs> it, it was, it was, uh, it was a longer version of maybe that wasn't the best idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was a really good, it was a really good interview. And yeah, That's I do awesome. see him around and, and he's, he's a nice guy, you know, I, he's uh, just, he's very focused on what he does. So I liked him in Moneyball. He was good I liked him in Moneyball. Yeah. I was stunned when I saw him in Moneyball. I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's you know? really like, weird. He did a great job and he didn't detract and you would never know that he wasn't like a regular Hollywood guy. Like he just, he fell into that role. So yeah, then again, you know, come on, let's, let's make the obvious joke. You've got a guy who's in charge of a giant company who often has to deliver bad news and say you can't have that much money. Yep. Who's playing a role online of a guy in the film who, who who runs a big company who says, I'm sorry, you can't have that much big money? Stretch. Big stretch. Yeah, big stretch for Bobby. Typecast. Yeah. He actually did it um, with uh, to because the director is going to do something for the Call of Duty endowment. It was kind of a swap. He said, I'll, his friend, uh, the filmmaker, wanted him to do the role. And he goes, I, you know, I'll do it for you, but only if you do help me make some promotional films for Call of Duty endowment. So I think those are still coming. But I thought that was nice that he did it for a, a, yeah, a greater purpose. Great. He goes, I have, no, I have no interest in doing movies ever again. Uh, he's like, it was a one-time deal. It was just like, you know, that was it. I, don't, I, don't in, I have no designs to, uh, to go and get, uh, you know, anything else. So <laughs> I thought that was cool. That is cool. Uh, so unfortunately, we are running low on time. That's because uh, I never shut up, Eric. No, but it's... this is great. <laughs> Our, our listeners will appreciate that, so we don't have to be the ones talking. I've got a uh, I've got a quick question to sneak in uh, right yeah. before uh, right before we hit the finish line. Um, along the lines of um, intellect over emotion, um, you I'm guessing had more than a, uh, enough to deal with um, Guitar Hero after you had um, announced that you'd uh, be finishing DLC, that you wouldn't be releasing new games, and we have yeah. we've just hit that point with Rock Band um, and. And where uh, we're kind of trying to figure out like what uh, what we do with the community next, like how we keep people engaged and, and how we make sure that, you know, people are reassured that this doesn't mean that we don't hate them. It doesn't mean that we hate rock band. Um, like how how did that work for you? Um, the kind of uh, the, the sunsetting of Guitar Hero DLC and um, and kind of um, taking that out of active rotation. It didn't. You're screwed. No. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, no. no um, well, first of all, I, I, I mean. Everybody else was like, I love the, the, the headlines, the day the music died. Right. <laughs> I'm like, okay, first of all, like, it's, <laughs> like, again, there's no news like bad news, right? Um, when I saw that, I was like, that is amazing that you guys delivered DLC on a regular basis for five years and you opened it up to the community, which wound up generating almost as much DLC as you did. You know, like, congratulations for hitting the milestone of five years. So let me start there. Because I, when I saw it, it was like a beautiful, like, man, that person has earned their retirement. Like, that's what it looked like. Um, gamers, you know, I still get regular questions. Um, I would say the top three questions I get are, when are you going to put new DLC out? We're, we're not. It's currently not in production, but thank you. And, I'm, you know, hopefully, have you, have you considered importing, like, Smash Hits or playing one of the 85,000 Guitar Hero titles that perhaps you didn't 100% NFC? Um, you know, when are you guys going to make new Guitar Hero games? I don't know. I'd like to think the answer, the answer I've been told is when we have a good enough idea. You know, Activision is open to revisiting the franchise, but Eric Hirschberg himself said, we will not bring Guitar Hero back unless there is a significant, interesting innovation that warrants it. And I'm like, good. As a gamer, I want to hear that. You know, I want to hear that ideas are what's driving your business, not just the, you know, cash grab that everybody thinks it is. Yeah, just a And the third one is when you guys buying harmonics. Um, <laughs> which, you know, hey, I'm, I'm up for uh, rock guitar hero band, uh, <laughs> or rock guitar band hero if, if you guys are. 
Um, but the, the, it is it is going to be difficult. You're going to have some people that you know that's their main form of entertainment is enjoying DLC, and there's a certain comfort that comes with. I know that when I'm in the mood for some new kind of food, I can download a new sandwich. You know, <laughs> it doesn't mean that they're going to starve for the rest of their lives. They've got a stocked pantry full of food that just right. is still there. Like I find songs in my rock band history that I'm like, I forgot I bought that, you know, yeah. like and I re I re experience. I'm the same way with my album collection. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Devo put out a great album last year. I forgot that I bought it. I listened to it when it was new and then I went back to it. It's even better now, you know, or, you know, I, I, I rediscover old music all the time. Or I find music that I didn't even know existed. I'm thinking you guys have over 2,000 songs in the Rock Band DLC catalog and then another 2,000 in the Rock Band Network catalog yep, in the homemade yep. stuff. Yep. How can you possibly be <laughs> upset about there's not going to be any more? Like 4,000 playable songs is more than I could probably ever play in a lifetime. And I know <laughs> that there's people that are more hardcore than I am, but – um, you know, to, to people that are that are really sad about it, don't be sad. It's like when somebody dies, celebrate what they did right. You know, yes, there's not going to be any new DLC. That doesn't mean there's not going to be any more fun with music. You know, music is so much bigger than rock band. I'm sorry. I know you don't like to think of that. No, no, but, yes, you're 100 you know, right. Music is is eternal, you know, and whatever music you enjoy now, you're going to enjoy later. You might need to step away from it for a little while to appreciate it. I love the Beatles. I have practically overdosed on the Beatles. I used to host a Beatles radio show. And there are times that I just can't listen to Sgt. Pepper again, you know? But then I leave it for sometimes three, four years. And then I go, man, now I remember everything I loved about this album. It sounds fresh to me again. So, yeah, there's nothing you can do other than say we really hope that you continue finding songs that you like within the rock band catalog because there are 4,000 of them. <laughs> you know? Like we, you know, you don't want to come off as we will gleefully continue to accept all the money that you've ever given us, you know. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's 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 not the end. It's just like, you know, enjoy what you've got and you may have more than you think. And thank you for your support over the years. That's that's the best thing that I could say. And that's what I tell people now. It's just like, yeah, you know, I'm still finding that I go back. I still play the Guitar Hero. It's fun. We we wired it up in a conference room here the other day. And people were coming by going, man, I forgot how much fun that was. I'm like, yeah, we just needed to sort of take a break from it. And it's the same way. Like, you know, I like Rock Band Blitz. But sometimes I'm just like, well, I'm going to put this away. I'm going to play some other games. And then I go, oh, I haven't played Rock Band Blitz for a while. And I find out that I've lost all of my skills, whatever meager ones <laughs> yep. I have. But what I have are brand new songs that I had found, you know, like, oh, God, I didn't realize that was out because I bought that for Rock Band 3 and it comes right over and blah, blah, blah. And I find it's a brand new experience. And I had set myself up for a brand new experience without realizing it. So it, I think it comes down to the player being open to having new experiences with it they already have or rediscovering the original experience and maybe seeing it in a different way. That's the best way to get through the drought, the death of rock and roll <laughs> that you guys are now perpetrating. That, you know, I hope, I really hope that the very last song that comes out for DLC is American Pie by Don McLean because it's the day the music died. Uh, would, would we really do that? Everybody, everybody has their bets in. We're not ready to show our hand yet. No, I just, I mean, American Pie, or maybe Alice's Restaurant, which is a song that really never ends. <laughs> so I just figured we would do the last song in DLC, and we barred everybody into the mic. So we went downtown to the dump, and I said to the judge, and said, I did not do anything with the VW Microbus at the bottom of the garbage. <laughs> and we'll just confuse everybody. Nobody nobody will know who the, who the hell is Arlo yeah, Guthrie. Yeah, it's, it's an Arlo Guthrie 10-pack, actually, is what we're yes. doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it'd be so great to be like i don't want a pickle what does that mean like nobody's gonna get any of the references and you're gonna be like arlo guthrie is so unhip like he's he's practically an underground indie artist now like yeah. you know yeah oh arlo guthrie oh he's great but you've probably never heard of him you know like <laughs> yeah his dad was famous or something too whatever <laughs> um yeah so I, I i'll be i'll be there curious to see what if there's a statement made with the final dlc We'll um, and and on behalf of everybody who was at E3, thank you for hiring the Who. I've been a lifelong <laughs> Who fan, and I got to see that concert only because the PR guy from uh, from MTV 
gave me enough hints to let me know. I was only going to E3 for one day that year. And it was I was very angry about that. And like OXM didn't send me to E3 that year. So I paid on my own dime. I went down for one day. That's actually how I wound up speaking to Activision going, so do you guys need a, uh, like somebody for uh, Guitar Hero stuff? You know, maybe I could do that. <laughs> um, and he said, no, dude, you're going to want to be there on Thursday. And I'm like, why? He's like, uh... We're going to have a special guest and you I'll, I'll get you into the show, but you're going to want to see this. I know your musical <laughs> taste. I'm like, well, look, can you just tell me who's playing? He goes, that is the question. Who's playing? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, who's playing? He goes, I don't know who's playing. And I'm like, oh, you're kidding me. He goes, I didn't say a word. <laughs> so I swear to God, I stayed f overnight in like I caught I, I slept in the airport. After that show, I was in cloud nine to have been in a small theater where the who were playing. But I just from that show, I went to the airport because I had no hotel room that night. So I, I just stayed at the gate and like slept. I was that bum that nobody wants to go near. Wow. <laughs> and I got on like a 7.30 a.m. flight and flew back to San Francisco completely exhausted. But it was so worth it. And that's one of my favorite E3 memories ever. And I'm a, Pete Townsend is an enormous, enormous influence on me as a guitarist. So that that could not be understated. I thought that was the coolest thing. Harmonix is, is awesome forever for doing that. Yeah, it was not less cool for us who are still in the office when it happens. <laughs> oh, I'm so we sorry. got an email from our COO, Mike Dornbrook, to the entire company being like, Guys, it was so amazing. You'll never, you'll never understand how cool it was. And we're like, yeah, no, and we'll we won't. never do it again. Yeah, exactly. You'll never be part of it. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, I, uh, I watched the sound check. I was in the second row. It was all right. Uh, it was all right. Yeah, it's cool. He hit a few wrong notes on uh, Amazing Journey, but on that, it was fine. Yeah. Just the fact that they did it in a tiny theater, like they'd been doing arenas for the last 40 years. Yeah. I think they said it was the smallest show they had played in 20 years. Yeah, yeah. it was It was magic. And it was beautiful because I was there with somebody who knew of The Who, but was several years my junior, Ryan McCaffrey, who's now over at IGN. And I was trying to explain to him why The Who are The Who, you know? <laughs> And, you know, I'm not I try not to force my musical influences on people and say, oh, you have to listen to this album. I think it's the worst thing you can say to somebody is to, to tell them you have to watch this TV show. Or you have to listen to this band. It's like, you know what? If you like this kind of stuff, I think you might like it too. give it a shot. So I gave him a copy of Who's Next and he was like instant convert. He got it. So he got like he had been a Who fan for maybe a month and a half. And <laughs> we got to see that show together. And he like his face just melted right next to me. That's he was a... like, that was the most incredible thing. And up to that point, his favorite band had been the Counting Crows. So this was a oh, pretty <laughs> a pretty different shift for him. That's wow. a pretty good it's, jumping on a... point. Yeah. So All right, Dan, we oh, are okay, woefully sorry. out of time. Quickly tell us what where can people see you at PAX East? At PAX East, uh, I will be doing uh, a game show night with Chris Kohler and Susan Arndt uh, on Friday night. Uh, I'm not, I think it's going to be in the Naga theater. It's, uh, going to be audience participation. We're doing live games of match game and family feud and jeopardy. Um, so that's my big thing. I'll be wandering around PAX East. That's no problem. Uh, if you see me say hello, I do not bite. I will have buttons to give away too. If you like one of swords buttons, uh, obviously my website for work is one of swords.com. My personal website is bunnyears.net. My band's website is paletteswapninja.com. We do gaming parodies, Weird Al style, but not as funny, of <laughs> famous songs. Uh, our big hit is uh, uh, Halo, All I Playo, the Red Hot Chili Peppers ripoff. Wow. Uh, wow. And wow. Uh, Arcade Gaming Shrine to Bowling Soup's 1985. Uh, we did a video for that, so if you really want to burn your retinas, we we got the greatest <laughs> arcade that has ever existed, and we shot it live there. Oh that was my great. Oh, God. And uh, yeah, and bunnyears.net is my personal site and slash guitar is where to find all of my guitars. If you're a guitar nerd, please, let's talk guitar. I have nobody to talk guitar nerd stuff with. <laughs> what's, your, what's your absolute favorite guitar that you own? At the moment, it's an ESP XJ6 that I just got about three months ago. Uh, it was fresh out of a, a forgotten factory here in Los Angeles. It's a Jaguar style body with a red sparkle finish, Seymour Duncan mini humbuckers and a reverse painted headstock, it is like playing God. Uh, I call it Jessica, because it's got crazy curves and it's got sparkly red uh, outfit on, so it's kind of the Jessica Rabbit of guitars. Love it. And uh, oh my God, it's so sweet. But I have I have uh, beautiful photos and the stories of how, if you like my stories, I got stories of how I got all the guitars there, and the ones that I still own and the ones that I don't own, the ones I've loved and lost, I even documented those. Wow. <laughs> 
All right. And uh, Aaron, what's next week's DLC? Uh, next week's DLC, two tracks. We're winding down. We're about three weeks away from the These finish at ones, this though. point. Uh, Oingo Boingo, Weird Science. <gasps> yeah. You and, can't uh, tell anyone, Dan. And Toto's Rosanna. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I used to front an 80s band, so that's really good news for me. <laughs> I love the 80s tracks. Just for so you. Do we. Nick, do you remember <sighs> which one has the pro guitar upgrade? No. No. I Nick do does not. not, but one of them has the a pro thing. guitar I have a 50 50 chance. Yeah. Half of those songs have pro upgrades. One of yep. the two. Check, check us on I the forums. I would hope it's Rosanna because it has an epic solo, whereas Weird Science is very synth driven yeah. and bass driven. It's probably so Rosanna. I'm crossing my fingers All for right. Rosanna. We'll, we'll, go, we'll go with Dan on this sure, one. Sure, you it's said Rosanna, it's Rosanna, but yeah. if it's wrong, yeah. you, you don't and work here. And if I'm wrong, so. you can complain yeah. to One of Swords on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I believe both of them have keys parts, though. Yes, that's yeah. true. Yep. All right, I'm getting angry text messages from a meeting from John Drake that I'm late for. <laughs> uh, so we're going to have to cut it here, Dan. Thank you so much for hanging with us. You are an amazing guest. I'm sorry for rambling on, but nope. thank you for having me. It's don't a, you it's ever apologize. <laughs> Never apologize. You didn't plug your book. What's the name of your book? Critical Path, How to Review Video Games for a Living. It's the summary of my 15 years as a video game reviewer. If it's a career that you would one day like, go to criticalpathbook.com or go to Amazon. It's there. It's 10 bucks as an ebook. Have fun. Boom. All right, Dan. We'll see you on the Twitters. Thank you so much. Thanks, See you later. And thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back in a couple weeks with our next episode. Goodbye. Goodbye.